Hi, I'm Alex and I work here at Southbank Centre. Hi, and I'm Nanza and I work at Southbank Centre too. Welcome to the podcast. Violent Nights is a real-life forum for online conversations, bringing big ideas and big topics and social trends to young people with the best guests. So as you can hear, we're in the middle of Southbank Centre, so it's super busy and buzzing. So Violent Nights is a monthly free event with previous nights covering black girls and dating, youth mental health, voting rights and how the gaming scene is changing. In this podcast, we share a few highlights, and tonight we're talking about women in grime. Nanda, you programmed this one, so who are we going to hear from? So we've got some really amazing speakers. I'm super excited about this one. We've got Paige Cakey, who's a rapper and actress. I go by the name of Paige Cakey, straight out of East London. You're done now. <laughs> we've got C. Kane, who's a presenter and rapper. I was shy, and um, I felt like I needed a way to express myself, so I decided to start spitting. Yeah. And lastly, journalist and documentary maker Kieran Yates, who, among other things, co-wrote Generation Vex. She's going to chair the event. I kind of grew up in like grime forum culture era, so now it's like it's spread in such a different way. So yeah, it's a really good lineup. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. So the point of this evening was a kind of response to a character in Angie Thomas's new book, which basically looks at a female character, Brie, who basically like wants to make it as like the world's greatest rapper in an industry that maybe doesn't look like her. So we brought like some of our favourite people in the scene to kind of tell us their like real life story in response to a fictionalised one. So I suppose a good place to start for both of you is for you to just give us a sense of the musical soundtrack of the house that you guys grew up in. Um, hi guys, I'm Paige Cakey. Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in Hackney, East London, and um, I grew up with both my parents, but they separated when I was about three. But when I was growing up and they were together, they played a lot of music. And as I got older and I started to live with my mum and then went to visit my dad, they were always still playing a lot of music. Like my mum was very interested in like R&B and garage and my dad was very much reggae, garage and jungle music. And then um, I remember getting introduced to like Miss Dynamite on TV, MTV Bass and Missy Elliott. And I was just like, wow. And then I saw So Solid Crew and I saw Lisa Mafia and I was like, wow, I want to be like her. And so I started writing like little raps with my friends when I was about 11. So I was in like year six and um, I'd go home and perform it to my mum, say, mum, can I bring my friends round? My friends would come round and we'd perform these really bad songs to my mum. And obviously she'd give me like, she'd be like, oh, this is really good. But I know deep down it was rubbish. What were those songs about? Do you remember? we're gonna make it and like it was just really like cheesy and yeah it was just really basic simple rhymes but it worked and like yeah it gave me the confidence I suppose to continue music and then I got into school and when I was in school I was really interested in music I was I had a uh, Sonny Erickson Walkman phone. Anyone have that phone? No. You guys all grew up on iPhones and Blackberries. All right, you don't know the struggle, but yeah, I grew up on Nokia's where we had polyphonic ringtones and then I had a Walkman phone. And um, I just remember always like playing music when I was out, playing music at the back of the bus. Got into secondary school where I took music as a GCSE. And um, I done really well and I got an A. And I remember my teacher saying to me, why don't you put the piece that you've done for your exam on YouTube? And before I knew it, it had about 10,000 views in a month, which was crazy. 
And um, yeah, so many people like my songs. So and then I thought, all right, I'm going to do music. And then I started like finding out where the local studio was. Okay, let me stop you there before you blow. Oh, before, yeah, all yeah, right, before sorry, blow. sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me do a little, an origin right, we'll get, story we'll get for back to the... um, Yeah, tell me, tell me about the house you grew up in and tell me a little bit of your, um, your origin story. In my household, my parents were like fresh from Africa. So, so my parents would just play Congolese music, but I had an older sister, so what she would do was play rap and R&B. Mm -hmm. So that more time, when I tried to escape the Congolese music, I'd just go to her room and just listen to her music all the time. I grew up in an area where there was no girls. There was literally just mandem. There was about 20 guys in the area, and I was the only girl. So um, one of the guys... What area is this? Um, Wandsworth, mm -hmm. so southwest London. So um, one guy called Bandit, he started getting into grime. So then he was like, oh, guys, I want to clash. And then everyone was like, yeah, 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 yeah. These times I didn't know what clashing was. So then I was thinking, hmm, let me just go along. So I was like, yeah, man, let's go, let's go. So we knocked at some next guy's house. I don't know who he was. And he came out and the guy was like, yeah. He was like, All right, cool, let's clash. So in the middle of the road, them two are clashing. And everyone was like, ooh, ah, oh, ooh, whatever. And, that, <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, what's this? Like, well, this is new. So then um, the next day I started writing bars. Um, I said it to like a couple of boys in the end. They were like, "Yeah, that's sick. That's sick." Obviously, it wasn't. It was dead. What were they? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I don't remember it, but some of my friends do. But I know there was one line that was like, "I'll finish you like a plum." Like, come on. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we we started spraying my bars and um, I started writing it down on paper. And secondary school, what I used to do was lunch break, before school, after school, be in the music room. That was me. Like. I don't care for nothing else. I even sell my token because I was on token them times. Sell my token, buy like a cake or something, put it in my blazer pocket, then go to the music room just so I can like play instruments and whatnot because I just love music. I went to Kingston College for a year, did business, and I hated it. Only because there was like nothing for me to do regarding music. So then the next year, I went to Harringay Sixth Form and I did mathematics and economics to keep my mum happy. <laughs> and then I did music for myself. Then it got to a point Just where... Just on that point, so yeah. what was... I mean, when you were like, oh, OK, for both of you, actually, yeah. when you were like, I want to pursue music, yeah. what, what was your parents' response? My mum hated it. <laughs> I swear to you, my mum hate... Like, what even she, till now, she hates what it. What did she say? She was just like, oh, you're a girl. Why are you doing <laughs> this for? Like, she was like, just go. You're not dumb. You can go uni, get a proper job. She just wanted me to work in a bank. Did she rate you now? She rates me, but she's still like... It's African parents, she's just like, oh, like literally just... <laughs> what about you? Do your parents write you? Um, yeah, like, my mum is, like, my biggest supporter. Mm -hmm. She literally knows all the words to my songs. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, my dad loves my music as well. He, like, he goes around work telling all his friends. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a really proud dad. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of, like, when we're talking about, like, obviously, you're, like, artists in the scene, you happen to be women... Where like the new conversations around like being in those spaces, being in Eskimo dance, what are the, what are the kind of things that you think have changed since you've been out raving or since you've been going to grime raves? Um, the involvement of the new generation, I think, like right now, they they try to involve new generations now, which I love. Like the Eskimo dance has like six, seven new new generation people. So you got like Mike, of course. Um, you have Jen. You have Reese West. Like. All these people, like, last year or the year before that, you wouldn't even see their names, even though they were doing exactly what they were doing back then. Mm -hmm. So I feel like nowadays, the, the fact that they're trying to involve new acts, I think is sick. Do you think there's new challenges when you think about, I mean, you know, the, the sort of, like, Ada, Lady Leisha, kind of Nole, 
of Lady Saw yeah. era where there was kind of a lot yeah. of women in the scene kind of thriving. What do you think happened or what do you think needs to happen? I think there is a lot of like females in the scene thriving, but everyone's doing different genres of music, if that makes sense. Not everyone's doing grime anymore. I feel like grime has like, developed into different sounds. Yeah. So on that point, if you're saying that uh, mm. kind of grime's developed into different sounds, what does what does London sound like to you guys at the moment Is it when you're listening to it? What do you think sums up a London sound? Yeah. Afro swing right now. Yeah, right now, definitely Afro swing. Do you call it Afro swing as opposed to like UK Afro beats? Yeah. Afro bashment? Yeah, I just call it Afro swing. I just call it Afro swing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we're meant to call yeah. it. Spotify call it Afro bashment, right? And there's like <laughs> a lot of debate about this stuff. Back to the Violet Nights discussion in a bit, but before they went on, Alex and myself were chilling with Kira and Paige and CK in backstage and chatting about Grimes early days and the future. So Kira, I wanted to ask, how has the scene changed over the last few years? Because uh, obviously a lot more people have become more prevalent, and just wondering what kind of your perception of it was. That's such an auntie question, isn't it? Like, <laughs> as a resident auntie, how do you think it's changed? Uh, well, I guess like the, the most obvious thing is for me, I kind of grew up in like grime forum culture era. So now it's like it's spread in such a different way in kind of like Twitter or places where you can access archives quite easily. Whereas I suppose when I was into grime, it was like kind of amazing if you could find like certain white labels or certain things and it was like a real process of finding whereas actually I think it's probably a lot more accessible now but also I feel like there's loads of really great stuff lost to the archives like just producers are sitting on loads of incredible instrumentals that we might never hear don't know cool. have you guys got some? <laughs> oh no no I don't <laughs> no <laughs> Paige so how do you see the industry changing over the next few years like how can we create a more supportive environment or do you think it already is supportive? Um, I think the industry is very supportive for the male artists. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see change within the female community. I would like to see more females supporting each other and really like bringing each other to the next level, just like what the guys are doing, and more collaborations between females. That's what I really want to see. Kieran, have you got any thoughts on that? On the future? Yeah, I, I guess like for me, the, the future is basically just seeing how it continues to like build and thrive and reach different audiences. Like for me, you know, I'm like a geeky Asian girl from Southall. Grime is like, you know, it's black music culture. It's, you know, predominantly from like inner city black men and women. So for me, like being able to access that, I think that that's very exciting to see where that's going next. You know, when we see international interest in grime from like Japan, even like Mumbai, all of those places, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's the future. That's like, it's accessible because people get it because it's the best music. <laughs> and CK, what about you? Um, like what Paige said, in the future I hope to see like the industry taking in more females. I was talking to one of my friends recently, I was like, if only like the people up there, like the Spotify people, the, the iTunes music, if they were to like implement something where they always have a certain percent of women yes. in their playlist or something, then that's like a step forward. Strongly agree. <laughs> <laughs> It was great to hear more backstage, but now we're back to the chair, Kieran Yates. Are there things that you think back now where you remember the industry changing? You remember the industry being like, well, I'd never heard anything like this before. What were those tracks mm. for you guys? Um, for me, Chance the Rapper, Acid Rap. Right. Because he was so, so free-flowing with his flow. And at times he wasn't even rhyming. Mm. And then in my head, I was just like, raw. There's me like spending like hours making sure I've got this much syllables back to me this line. And then I'd be like, yeah, come back to the seven with the fifth. Like I was so mathematics with it, yeah. yeah. And then Charles the Rapper was just like 10, damn, 
days. I was like, what? <laughs> so like, it spun me so much. And from there, it, it changed the way that I wrote music. Literally, I was like, if he can be free with it yeah. and lo everyone love him, why am I doing it? Like, it's some maths, trigonometry, whatever. So I was just like, So, yeah. so before, were you approaching it like 16 yeah. bars, 140 yeah. p.m. and it had to be really yeah. strict? Like, I'll write a title of the track, freestyle, whatever, and be like, all right, cool. That's the topic. One line, did it in it, I'll count the syllables. And then the next line, I count the syllables. And I'll be like, ooh, that's one syllable more. Take away the line and then make it try to fit. Yeah, I was so just, uh, uh, uh. And, yeah. How much math is involved in your music? <laughs> no math. <laughs> just counting bars. But um, I don't know what done it for me, but I just remember hearing music where people was rapping and then singing and going back to rap. Mm. And then that's what I started doing. But I can't really tell you who it was that, mm -hmm. who I got that from. I don't want to say Drake, because I know there was artists doing it before Drake. Yeah. But he was someone who gave me like inspiration to not just rap and then sing on the chorus. Yeah. And that's why now I'm just free with it. I think for me, from a journalistic perspective, because I'm an auntie, <laughs> uh, like pre-boy in the corner, I, I, like, I remember a lot of my, my friends at the time being like, have you heard this song by this guy called Dizzy Rascal called I Love You? And I think that it was like, it was just before he was kind of, you know, about to win the MOBO. Yeah. But it was also because he was, you know, I think, I don't know how you guys feel about this as black women, but it felt like before then, black British identity was like the identity. Mm. And then things started changing, like, oh, not only is he black British, but he's actually African. And then yeah. actually you're West African. And then beyond that, your identity can change and mm. people are open to it. Do you think that that's been a conversation that's been happening recently in the music industry yeah because i feel like um especially with the afro swings when they're doing their music mm. they you'll be like yeah everyone knows that they're british cool but they'll be like oh he's nigerian mm -hmm. Ghanaian. like even with me oh she's congolese like everyone kind of like goes back to like their heritage mm -hmm. as well so i feel like nowadays people pay attention to it like when I started doing music, people didn't care for that actually. It was just north, east, south, west. Yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the world is divided. Yeah. Okay. What about from your perspective? No, I definitely feel like I can hear and feel heritage in music now. Mm -hmm. As C. Kane said, it used to just be north, south, east, west. Now you can hear the background and where people are actually from, yeah. especially with Afro Swing and like, what do you not call it? Afro Bashman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you can really hear it and I like it. Um, I feel like there was that kind of period that you're talking about. What uh, platforms like SBTV and mm. Grime Daily did was they created this like appointment viewing. Everyone would be there at five o'clock on a Sunday to watch someone do a freestyle like No Lay yeah. or, or whoever. How, how part of that like online Grime culture were you? Um, at first I didn't really know too many Grime female MCs, only the ones that Channel U would show. So with the ones that Channel U would show was only Shiesty and, and Lady Fury. That yeah. was the only two that I remember from Channel U. Mm -hmm. And then my world spun when I saw the ladies' night in Tim Westwood. That's when I was just like, raw, like, there's actually bare people. So then from there, I saw the F64s. I didn't really check into Graham Daily. It was like SPTV. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I was just there watching the F64s. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I was obsessed. What's your favourite? Um, Lioness's F64, mm -hmm. where she's got like the Averix jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> I knew all the lyrics and that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Ladies Night with Tim Westwood, that was mad. Yeah. There was also another video that was on where I found all the females. It was called Female All-Star. Yeah, yeah. Not the one with like Miss Bratt in it. There was an older one. Yeah, and it had like Lady Fury mm -hmm. and like mm. just bare females that I've never seen or heard of before. So what are you guys excited about? 
moving forward? Um, I'm excited about, let's say, the fact that they're within Graham, they're bringing in new generations. But I'll be more excited to see them bringing in more females. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'll be more excited to. But I think because we're in the era of cancellation, that's going to happen very, very soon. The same way that we cancelled wireless and then they fixed up straight away. <laughs> I've got a feeling that these places will fix up if someone that's high up picks up on it and talks about it. OK, thank you for sharing stories and stuff. Can we just have a round of applause for our panellists? Thank you. So that's the end of our Violet Nights podcast. We hope you liked it. Maybe you got some new recommendations, some stuff to check out and listen to. Please subscribe and write us a review if you like this EP. Yeah, it would be wicked if you can catch our next episode where we spotlight queer activism now, 50 years on from Stonewall Riots. Also, if you're between 18 and 25, you can apply for a spot on our free two-day podcast making course. You'll learn how to plan, make and share your own podcast by working on episodes of Violet Nights alongside us and a couple of pod experts. If that sounds cool, check out the South Bank Centre website or just search South Bank Violet Nights and we should pop up. As Nanda mentioned, our next episode is on queer activism now. Join us as we hear from some of the UK's changemakers in the scene. We've got youth activist Tanya Compass, trans rights campaigner Fox Fisher and Dr Sen Raj, who's lecturer in law at Keele University and discussions chaired by the brilliant journalist and author Amelia Abraham. Thanks for listening in. It was produced by Phil Brown and exec produced by Crystal Genesis. I'm Nanda Napoleon. And I'm Alex Williams and we'll be our hosts. Until then, bye. Bye.